Hey guys, really good conversation I'm having with author Gary Thomas. It's going to be really helpful for your marriage. I just want to say real quick before we jump in, you have two weeks left. If you're listening to this episode at the in the week that it was released, you have two weeks left to register for our Dad Tired Retreat this fall. We would love to have you, but you have to sign up now. Registration will close on August 15th, 2022. So if you're listening before that, make sure that you register so that you can come join us then. That being said, let's jump into the interview today with Gary Thomas. Gary, really excited to be hanging out with you today, man. Thank you for taking the time. I know you're busy, but you've written a lot of big books, books that have even shaped kind of my thinking before I was even a husband and dad, not to like put any ages on any of us here, but you've influenced me for a long time, man. But for the audience who may not be familiar with you, tell us who you are, what you're up to these days. Yeah, I've been a writer most of my adult life. I have three kids now fully grown. So I'm on the other side of most of your listeners. I grew up in the Pacific Northwest, just spent a decade in Texas, and very recently just moved to Colorado. Mm. So we've lived all over the country. We've literally lived now, had a home in every one of the four time zones. Oh, wow. Pacific, Mountain, Central, and, and Eastern. So, wow. That's incredible. Yeah, gotten around. Yeah, man. You've really kind of shaped and, and given a great voice to much needed topics that we need to talk about in marriage, in regards to marriage. Like what put you on that path to really empower marriages to be healthy and strong? I had written three books on spiritual formation is how we get closer to the Lord. And then Mm -hmm. it hit me that what shaped me most as a person and even as a believer and even revealed God to me more was my marriage. And then Mm -hmm. later my parenting Mm -hmm. that that challenged me. It showed weaknesses in my character And I'd never seen a book that looked at marriage through that lens. And that's Mm. what led to sacred marriage. What if God designed marriage to make us holy more than to make us happy? And by looking at marriage through that lens, it gave me a new appreciation for marriage. I could appreciate the difficulties of it, just like an athlete appreciates a good workout. Sometimes you may not even look forward to it, but you realize, well, if I want to get faster, if I want to get stronger, I need to do this. And I started looking at my marriage spiritually that way. It was calling me to be a servant, is calling me to learn how to communicate, to understand, maybe to be more gentle, to be less impatient, less irritable. Mm. There's things I don't know that I chose. I certainly didn't get married to do that, mm-hmm. but I saw my marriage. And here's the main thing, Jerry, when I leaned into that, I valued my marriage more. I appreciated yeah. my marriage more. And I do think God designed marriage in part to do that. And I think the sooner we get on God's page, the more we understand the purpose. It'd be like if somebody is given all of these workouts to do by their coach and they're never told when the game is mm. or what the purpose is, or they never get to compete, it would be frustrating. Yeah. But if they know they've got the Olympics coming up or the Super Bowl or whatever the sport would be, it's like, okay, I'm willing to endure this because there's a greater cause behind it. Yeah, man. I've heard that phrase more now that the concept of marriages for our holiness, not necessarily our happiness. And I've even, I've taken that, I've stolen that idea and I try to work that into my own life and marriage. I've written about that, but that's a game changer for a lot of marriages, for a lot of guys. And I, like, I remember the first time when I was very new to marriage, which brand new rookie husband, which I still feel like I am in many ways. But I remember the first time all the happiness wore off. Like we were in a situation where like the honeymoon phase is over and you're very quick. And guys, like I would say, if you've been married longer than like six days, you know, like six weeks at most, you've experienced this at some level. And you're like, okay, 
if happiness is my only joy, then I'm probably going to bail because this person's no longer making me happy. And this is why we see, I mean, the statistics for divorce are insane. It's insanely high for my generation. I mean, it's just kind of like, this should be fun. Well, maybe I'll travel. Maybe I'll get a new house. Maybe I'll get married. It's just kind of something to check off the list. But as soon as those things don't make me happy, then, well, I'll move on to something else that does. And I want to talk about your new book, but that is such a huge principle that I think is still shaking up a lot of people. Like, could you just unpack that a little bit more for us? Like that concept of holiness versus happiness. And more than I'd put it as holiness versus happiness, I would put it as holiness preserving happiness. Mm. John Wesley, the famous evangelist, said, I don't know anybody who's happy who's not pursuing holy. Mm. And I'm just saying in my role as a pastor, I've seen that if somebody has an addiction, whether it's gambling or food or porn or something, there are moments of pleasure, but they're kind of miserable. They feel like Mm. they're prisoners. If a guy is always angry, he's pushing people away. He's having a hard time with intimacy in his relationship. If he's always negative or materialistic, he's never content. And so I don't see holiness and happiness as enemies as much as holiness preserves ultimate happiness. If I can be happy offending my God, I've got a bigger issue. Mm. (laughs) So Mm. it's really going back to, I think holiness is an invitation to become a person that the regenerated. I mean, if if I didn't have the Holy Spirit, if God hadn't redeemed me, I might not want to be the kind of person that I want to be now. But I think when God redeems your conscience and gives you that desire to honor him, to treat others well, to be a giver rather than a consumer, to love rather than to hate, to encourage rather than to tear down, that's the kind of person I want to be. Yeah. And so it's what marriage can help you do. And so I've seen some guys in And I know you've got some young dads listening with you as well. They may have to learn that they could be sarcastic and cutting with their friends. And then God gives them the most sensitive daughter in the world. (laughs) And they realize, I'm going to lose her Mm. if I don't learn how to become gentle. Mm. And how did Jesus describe himself in Matthew 11, 29? I am gentle and humble in heart. And so Mm. in, in trying to become gentle to reach your daughter, you're becoming more like Christ. And I think it's it's holiness that helps us become not only more like Christ, but but closer to our wives. It's difficult for a wife to feel intimate with a man who's so full of himself. He's yeah. arrogant rather than yeah. humble to feel intimate with the guy who's always angry instead of appreciative and encouraging. So when I seek to become more like Christ, I'm seeking to become the kind of man that my wife wants to be around. Yeah. That my wife wants to stay married to. And I think that ultimately leads to a happier, more intimate marriage. It took me a while to get there, though. I really got married for selfishness sake. Okay, I'm going to get this. I'm going to get guilt-free sex. I'm going to be with this woman. She's going to do this. And and it really took a while for me to realize, okay, that might have been my agenda for getting married. But what's God's agenda for me to be married? And that's when I could really begin to appreciate my marriage. Man, I think if guys just paused there and just asked themselves that question, honestly, what is God's agenda for my marriage? Like the reason that I got married, that's a humbling question. And I think all of us, all of us, no, who would sign up to like, (laughs) you know, (laughs) go through the holiness fire, right? Like, you know, (laughs) like who who would do that, right? I think all of us got married for the selfish reasons because we thought this was going to be amazing. It's, (laughs) and it is amazing, but but it's that holiness component. And I think the differentiator there is 
like the temporary happiness or joy versus like the deep soul satisfaction. Because a lot of those things you mentioned, like I can come home and have a couple extra beers and watch a game might make me happy for a night. You know, I could look at porn for a minute and it might make me happy for a minute. You know, you can do all these things and it it's just these temporary joys. But every guy knows the difference between that and like soul yes. satisfaction. Yes. And that's the kind of stuff we're looking for. And so I love that you like said the two happiness isn't competing, but we are talking about a different kind of happiness. Yes. Yes. Thank you. That's yeah. an important distinction. I think there's so many guys who are like, man, I keep chasing after happiness. And yet the things that I keep chasing after aren't actually making me happy. And it's it's causing me to be even more frustrated. I can't find enough hobbies. I can't get enough money in my bank account. Can't do enough stuff at work. I just can't find the happiness thing that I'm looking for. And so I think going back to that question, which is, what was God's purpose for you to get married? And maybe that's actually the path that he's trying to use to bring that deep soul satisfaction that we've been talking about. I think, Jared, the, the key to soul satisfaction is found in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus lays out the formula so clearly. And if every guy would listen to these two things, I think they'll get what they're looking for. Jesus said in Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Yeah. And all these things will be added unto you as well. Where I see guys frustrated and get addicted and just have miserable lives is they're not seeking first the kingdom of God. They're seeking first their kingdom. Yeah. The problem with that is nobody notices them enough. They don't mm. appreciate them enough. They don't thank them enough and they can't be praised enough. And so if you're trying to build your own kingdom in a world mm. that's trying to tear down your kingdom, you're going to be frustrated. But if you're seeking first God's kingdom and you're waking mm. up, okay, what is your agenda for my life? How do you want to use me? Now you're part of an eternal purpose. Yeah. So often we're seeking, we're winning battles that don't really matter. <laughs> Yeah. Things that won't be remembered, but when we're seeking first God's kingdom, then we're growing up. And then Jesus said, and his righteousness. I'm seeking first. In, in the Greek, that's continuous present tense. Hmm. Continually keep on seeking God's kingdom above your own and his righteousness. And then I grow in righteousness. And there's just a difference when your wife looks at you because she's grateful for you. She respects you. She feels connected to you. You've loved her well. That's just different. From yeah. is she going to notice me? Is she going to appreciate me? Is she going to do this for me? And so I think if we would focus on putting God's agenda of righteousness over our own and his kingdom over our own, that's what will lead to ultimate fulfillment and less regrets when we die. We'll look back. We'll never mm. regret putting God's kingdom above our own. We'll never regret having a reputation built on seeking his righteousness over the worst parts of who we are. Mm, man, that's an encouraging word. You've mentioned two times, maybe three times now, you've used the word angry or frustrated. Man, I talked to so many guys who say, like, I didn't even know I was like an angry guy or had like an anger problem or frustration problem. So I like got married and had kids. And Absolutely. now I just feel like I'm angry all the time. I'm frustrated. I have a short temper. I'm quick with my, I'm just always stressed, yell at my kids in a way that I don't want to yell at them. Like what? Do you have any insight on that? Like, I don't yeah. you know. <laughs> no, I look, I experienced it big time in, in some silly, insignificant things. I was voting. This is almost embarrassing. In junior highs, we went into high school. They had the Hall of Fame pictures and I didn't have the glory ones like most popular, most likely to succeed or most athletic. I got the title most polite, which mm. every junior high boy's dream, right? Most <laughs> yeah. polite. Yeah I, yeah, I knew it was the geeky title, but I'm the third of four kids. It's kind of how I viewed myself. Mm. Then I get married. 
And I'm shocked at how the smallest things could irritate me to no end. In fact, mm. one of the first issues my wife and I faced were ice cube trays. <laughs> the family I grew up in, if you got out an ice cube, you refilled the tray, you put it back in the freezer. So the next person would have a nice full tray of ice cubes. And I'm yeah. convinced that's the biblical way to handle yourself. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Kitchen. Amen. Yeah. My wife, unfortunately, grew up in a family, run those things down to a nice chip. It was almost <laughs> like a conjure, one little tiny piece of ice there. And I, I had a bad habit then that my wife has cured me of. But back then I had to have my Pepsi every day and I liked it really cold. You put an ice chip in a glass of Pepsi and it's gone in 10 yeah. seconds. Yeah. And so I couldn't explain to my wife how much of my joy and happiness depended on having this nice full tray of ice cubes. So one night she was speaking romantically. She said, Gary, I'm going to love you forever. And I told her, honey, I don't need you to love me forever. I need you to love me for seven seconds. She goes, what are you talking about? I said, I timed how long it takes to fill the ice cube trays <laughs> and to put it back in the freezer. She goes, are we on that? And Jared, if you ever told me in a romantic moment, I would risk sex to make a point about ice cube trays. <laughs> yeah, There's no way yeah, yeah. that would be me. There's no way I could be that small minded or that irritable or that frustrated by something so stupid as, as ice cube trays. I realized that there was this side of me that God wanted to expose that says, don't inconvenience me. Hmm. I'll marry you, but don't make me late. Don't make me have to pick that up if I don't feel like picking that up. Don't use up my ice cube trays. And I saw how evil that was. Mm. And at first I resented it. How can I help Lisa become better at doing this? Until I was just confronted by God saying, Gary, as you're praying, you're trying to turn your wife into a love Gary like he wants to be loved machine. Jeez. And that sounded so narcissistic and monstrous and horrible. But there's this natural part of me that, that wants to go there. And so I realized it's not really who I want to be. I want to be like Christ who came not to be served, but to serve. And so I would just say, if you're getting angry all that time, that's when you go back to, your, why did I get married? Hmm. Is it just this need could be met and that need could be met? I get this and that. Or am I really seeking first the kingdom of God? Here's another analogy that might make the point. If I'm seeking first the kingdom of God and I'm driving into work, I'm praying for people. I'm asking God to use me today. I'm asking him to open it up. And I don't notice how other people are treating me on the road. If I wake up and I'm just about, I got to get to work. I need to get, I need to get this. And I'm, I'm fighting with cars on the road. I'm not going to let you in, put on your blinker. Oh yeah, you're dreaming, buddy. It's not going to happen. And then you're, and the first I arrived to work, maybe three minutes later and there's peace, there's joy, there's expectation for the day. The second thing I might get to work three minutes earlier, but I'm frustrated. I'm angry. Blood pressure is up. I just finally realized I don't want to live that way. Mm. I don't want to live that way driving a car. I don't want to live that way with my wife. I don't want to live that way with my kids. I want to seek first his kingdom and righteousness. Mm. Man. Okay. So I'm going to give you a really uh, honest thought, follow-up thought to that. So right before we jumped on, my wife said, Hey, I'm going to run a few errands, take the kids. And I'll, I'll be back before you have to do this interview. I said, great. And then she was like, she was moving really slow, which I'm a very fast person. She's a very <laughs> slow person. And so I probably said four times, like, hey, babe, I got that interview, two o'clock. You know, I got, we got it because she was supposed to bring me home lunch. And so I was just telling her, like, I'm probably going to miss lunch if you don't get going, you know, and she's moving slow, moving slow. Dude, this whole time I've been frustrated. I've been home, you know, working on stuff. I've been like frustrated. She moves slow. And as a result of her moving slow, I have yet to eat lunch today. Right. And so 
hearing you say that I'm like, just majorly convicted. Cause I'm, cause I'm like the thought, the, the line you said, don't inconvenience me, but you use the word pointing out the evil. And I think that's, man, that's the key because for a lot of us, we would just like, we want to dismiss our kind of, well, just do just feel, fill the tray with water. Like it takes seven seconds, you know, just leave five minutes earlier so you can get back in time. So for me, like, it doesn't feel, we don't make the tie to evil, but you use the word evil there. And I want you to like camp on that for a second and play it all the way out because maybe we're talking about ashtrays or ashtrays. Maybe we're talking about ice trays, (laughs) hopefully not ashtrays. Maybe we're talking about ice trays or maybe we're talking about lunch, but you keep playing out that thought of I'm God and I need everyone in my family to serve me as God. And that is an evil. Like what's the end of that story when we're talking about bigger things here? Why did you use the word evil? Because I think it's a narcissistic, self-absorbed worldview as if I need my wife to do this. What if my wife needs to have joy today and your wife needs to have joy getting away from the kids for a little bit longer? Mm-hmm. And what if she doesn't get back, but she really had a good encounter or she's able to And it inconveniences us and we might be hungry for another hour. You might be hungry during this interview or whatnot. But in the end, it's like, do I expect her to exist for me? Mm -hmm. Do I expect my kids to be successful, to make me proud or make me feel like I'm a good dad? Am I here to serve them and love them and and help them grow? And again, I just go back to Jesus. He said, the son of man came not to be served, but to serve. And I don't think we realize how self-obsessed and even narcissistic we can be. And that's the opposite of what scripture calls us to be. And I think it's the opposite of what we want to be. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think that those kind of little moments of bitterness, you know, that creep in through the little stuff, the ice cube tray, the late for lunch, you didn't do that. You didn't clean up this the way I wanted you to clean it, whatever the thing is, they plant these seeds of bitterness. And then it seems like this would be kind of a foundation to this new book that you wrote, which I'm so interested in because then something really big hits like, yes, you know, illness hits. We have a miscarriage. There's infidelity. There's, I lost my job, like something big hits. And now like we're, our marriage is in a weak spot and we're not able to handle those massive things. Like, I don't know, like how many marriages do you feel like are there? Like are they're surviving, they're brittle. And if something big hits, just based on your experience as pastor and kind of leading people through marriage, yeah. like how many people do you think, you know, they always say like, you're a couple of decisions away from homelessness. <laughs> like how many, maybe you're a couple of decisions away well, from like divorce. You know what I mean? A, like, that's a great analogy. I think a lot of marriages could survive if they live in the social climate of a Santa Barbara, you know, where mm-hmm, it's perfect mm-hmm, year round, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but one storm hits and it's not going to work. And that's really what making your marriage is a fortress like It's saying the storms will come. Now I know a lot of the, the dads and the husbands that you talk to are, are younger and it might, the storms might not have hit yet, but yeah. I'll, I'll use the analogy. When we first moved to Texas 12 years ago, like I said, we just moved to Colorado, but we came here from Texas. We were from the Pacific Northwest, Washington, where it rains all the time, but no really big storms. And every fall they would have the, okay, it's hurricane season, prepare, get ready. <laughs> and, and at first I took it seriously for the first couple of years because it seemed terrible. And then after four or five years, they say that and you're just like, uh, it's white noise, right? Right. Well, then the year that Harvey hit, a mm. friend of mine called and said, Gary, I know you kind of poo-poo this stuff. It's not that big a deal. He goes, this is real. You need to get back to town. Mm. And it hit and rain camped out over Houston for three days, over 55 inches. And the water level kept going up and up and up and up. 
And I'm thinking as I'm seeing it crawl up toward my house, okay, how do I keep this from coming into the house? Because water inside a house is devastating. Yeah. I mean, you have to floors, walls. I mean, all I had was some cardboard and painter's tape. <laughs> you know, I, I'm trying to, you know, cover, which is worthless, trying to right. keep water coming into your house. Now, fortunately, it didn't rise up. We lived in a part of Houston that was a little bit higher. So our, mm. while the, the lawn was covered with water, it never got into our house. But I waited too late. I waited until the storm hit. I said, well, it's not going to hit us. And and I saw how much that cost me. I think people do that with their marriages. So the first thing I'd say to guys listening, for some of you, just take this as a word from the Lord. And the first guy I talked to talked about how he was a sexual addict for years mm-hmm. and he could function. He had a, a successful job and he and his wife had a distant marriage, but it wasn't, it wasn't an awful marriage. She didn't yeah. know And so he could kind of fake things and he still had enough energy left over where he was intimate with her and everything was going fine. Mm. And then he was exposed and he thought it was the worst day of his life. And he says, it was really the best day of my life because it Mm. helped me deal with the issues. And he got serious. He went into recovery. He was going to 12 step groups, like seven meetings in seven days. And he had accountability. He's making the phone calls as part of his recovery in his counseling. He went through lie detector tests where the guy trains where his wife could ask him anything. Wow. And so it was just, he really truly came clean. 18 months later, his daughter got leukemia Mm. and it was serious. I mean, she was in the hospital. They weren't sure where it was going to go. And they watched these couples come in and I guess over 70% of couples, when they face this, they'll end up getting a divorce. Jeez. And his wife said this too we wouldn't have been together if he hadn't had dealt with his sexual addiction mm. before our daughter got leukemia because he didn't have enough. He admitted, I couldn't have been there for my sons who I had to take care of because my wife was at the hospital. I couldn't have been there for my daughter. I couldn't have been there for my wife. It was only when he got spiritually healthy mm. that there was enough of him to be the dad he wanted to be and to be the husband he wanted to be when it counted most. And so I'm saying to you guys, yeah, you can hold on to this Maybe, you know, you're gambling too much on the side. Maybe you got to drink a certain amount to get to sleep or whatnot. And it seems to be okay. But what if the storm hits? Yeah. Are you spiritually strong enough? And here's the warning. It will hit. Right. It, it might be financially. It might be your health, your wife's health. It might be extended family members' health. It might be one of your kids. Something's going to happen. Are you getting strong now? Because you know you're going to be tested. And that's why I think we need to be more serious about seeking first his righteousness, because we're just tempting fate mm. if we allow ourselves to be weak. And, and here's the main thing. When the storm hits, you want your marriage to be a refuge, not part of the problem. Mm. Because if the problem takes out your marriage, now you've got two problems. Yep. You've got to find another place to live. You're dividing your income by two when it might already be stretched. You're not there with your kids all the time. How do I stay connected with my kids when I only get to visit with them on the week? I mean, it brings a whole host of other issues that you will just hate if you have to face. So make your marriage strong now. So when the storm hits, because it will, your marriage will be a refuge from the Mm. storm. It won't be part of the storm. My wife is following this young mom who has cancer. My wife spent 16 years as an oncology nurse. So this is an area that's just dear to her. And we were following this mom that she's got real young kids. She's got cancer. And in this, at the same time, they're going through a divorce. And we were just talking the other day, like 
Uh, we don't know them personally. This is, she's kind of just following their story from afar. But we were talking the other day, like, how does that happen? When the, that storm hit, you don't cling together. Like you end up dividing and you're right. It just happens so much. But just right now, I just, it just seems unfathomable. But I mean, so many marriages are there where like that could be reality. And you're saying like, okay, you know, how do you prep that? So you're not using cardboard and painter's tape, you know, to prepare for the rising water. But, but like, what does that look like for the guy who's listening right now? He's commuting to work. He's mowing the lawn. Like, what does he do today so that his, his marriage is a fortress? We tell multiple stories. One is a guy who was a weightlifter big time. He could bench press 400 pounds. Hmm. Now, I mean, that's anybody that lifts weights. Know, uh, an I did NFL 75 lineman. last night, man. So, you know, I'm t- <laughs> <laughs> an NFL lineman would be proud of yeah, getting 400 yeah, pounds up. Yeah. And that's what we thought he'd be. And then he ended up getting MS, diagnosed mm. with MS three years. He's been in a scooter for most of his marriage. Jeez. And then there are financial problems and problems with the kids getting sick and whatnot. So, but if I put all of these stories together, here's where I'd come out. One, they all said, and this will sound like a cliche, a pastor saying this, but it's true. They said, we needed the Lord to be on our side, that the intimacy with the Lord that we had laid down, we understood the word. We believed that God's word is true. We remembered some verses in mind. You may not need to call on memorized Bible verses now, but when you're in despair and hurting like you've never heard, I'm talking to one couple who lost their only son. They had a hard time conceiving. They had one son. He died when he was 19. That's when you need God's word to sustain you. And they said, it's it's like you can't try to, that's when you have cardboard and blue painters tape at, at that point, it's a little too late to just try to find it. You need that. Secondly, be strong spiritually on your own because your wife's going to need you. Your kids mm, are going to need you. Man, you need good. to be strong. You can't say, okay, I'm going to run a marathon tomorrow. So I'll go for a five mile run today. No, you, you've got to lay down months and months of workouts to get your strength up, to get your endurance up, to maybe even get your speed up so that you can run a decent marathon. Same thing is spiritually. You know what? If I need the excitement of gambling, if I need the escape of porn, if I'm having to have too much to drink just to get to sleep, those are really bad signs that get worse when the storm hits. Because your brain finds a little bit of relief in them, even though you're ashamed of it. And so that's where your brain is, I need escape. I got to get out of this pressure. I got to get out of this. And, and you're, you're training your brain to find this is where you find it. No, I've got to get rid of that. That's not where I want to go. But third, learn to fall toward your wife. Mm. Be honest with your wife. When I would talk to guys, and this is where living a life that honors your wife is a blessing. Like it's even today, my wife said, can, can I get your phone? I need to call somebody. I handed over my phone. She knows my password. Mm-hmm. And I've talked to wives, their husbands would never give them their phone. Yeah. They would never leave their iPad out because they didn't want their wife to see what they were looking at, yep. or they might get a text message and they might look at the internet history. I thought, how can you cherish your wife yep. if you're living in terror that she's going to find you out? There's no peace. And then here's what happens. And this is what's so evil. So you start to resent your wife mm. because if she's there, you can't act out. So you hide the bottles, you erase where you've been on the internet. You don't let her see the receipts or something. You can't have a life where you cherish somebody and your face lights up when you see somebody, if you're hiding from somebody, it's the opposite of marriage. And so you want to get closer to the Lord. You want to get spiritually stronger, get rid of those addictions and then fall toward your wife. Be honest, be connected, find emotional connection. Um, Two couples, one was 
vocational challenge through COVID-19. The other one was they just had a new baby. When you have a new baby, you get a new marriage. You have to figure out how does this baby fit into the marriage we already had. And these two couples found that a weekly check-in was Mm. essential Mm. where they would just say, it's just, Hey, how are you doing? What's your biggest challenge right now? What do you need from me? What are you sad about? What are you happy about? For them, they just found that if we don't do it intentionally, we don't do it. And then we start to drift and you, you drift just a little bit, but it's like this. If you gain, okay, I'm only gaining half a pound a week, but that means in two weeks, you've gained a pound. So you're gaining two pounds a month at the end of the year, you're 25 pounds heavier. And all of a sudden it's like, whoa, (laughs) that's a lot. Same thing happens to relationships, just a little bit of drift. It doesn't seem like a lot in a week, but you carry that out. And the momentum, you'll feel like you're crawling out after a canyon against your wife. And here's the thing. The responsibilities and roles of marriage are just not that much fun if there's no intimacy. Mm. If you're not emotionally connecting with your wife, you're not sexually connecting with your wife. If you're not spiritually connecting with your wife, and then you still have to be sacrificing and serving, you feel like it's all the work without any of the benefit. And it's hard for a lot of guys to stay put for that. Okay. If I just took like the last three minutes, you just gave us so much wisdom. I'm literally trying to like, just write down everything you just said, because there are so many good things. I want to recap some of that because at, at first you said some hard things. And I think there, there's going to be some guys who are listening who are feeling convicted and they might get mad at you. Like, well, dude, why are you saying that? <laughs> How could you say that? If you feel any of that, if you feel the conviction or you feel like scared or you feel mad and anything that Gary just said, I want you just to remember, like, this is for your joy, like the deep joy that we were just, we were talking about at the beginning of this conversation, that shalom, that peace inside you. So if you feel like, well, my wife doesn't need to have my password, you know, how you, why are you telling me to do that? Man, we want your joy. We want like, We want to see you experience Jesus and the gospel in such a way that you live a life of righteousness that you don't have to fear. And that actually will bring you so much more joy, man. So if you're feeling any of that conviction right now or that scared, uh, it's for your joy. It's for your good and for God's glory. The other things that you said there, okay, there were so many things I was trying to write them down as fast as I could. You said, read the scriptures because what I loved about that answer is you said, you started with saying, it's going to feel kind of churchy and cliche. I'm the pastor telling you this, but I talked to a lot of guys who are saying, man, one of the hardest things for me in my relationship with Jesus is there's not like tangible things for me to do when I'm like, okay, get closer to the Lord. Well, how do I do that? How do you get closer to the Lord? That's hard stuff. And it makes sense why the Pharisees came up with all kinds of extra rules because it's nice to check a box and guys like that. We love to like, give us a task and we'll do it. But I love that you said it may not even be for the now, but for when, if you're trying to catch up, I love that analogy you gave. When the storm rises, the water rises, and you're you're out there with the cardboard and the tape, like, man, it's too late. It's too late in the game. Yeah. And when when your marriage is in crisis, your kid's sick, there's death, there's a loss of job, bro. Like you you think you're gonna cram in a little bit of Jesus in those moments, and it's gonna sustain you. By God's grace, maybe it will. But there's ways that you can prepare yourself ahead of time. And then, lastly, I think I just love that question. Like, what does your spiritual life look like outside of your wife? If she were in a situation right now where she needed you spiritually, could you lead? Could you be in a spot where you're strong with the Lord and you could lead her? Man, there are a lot of dudes relying on the spirituality, the relationship that their wife has with Jesus for their kids to sustain, for them to sustain. 
And I think that's a convicting and challenging and motivating question for a lot of guys to answer. But anyway, I just wanted to recap some of that because it was just so good, man. I want guys to really sit in that. But any follow-up thoughts to anything yeah. I just said there? Well, when you talk about for your joy, when you open up, I, I just want to stress that. And another guy I talked to, he was a player mm. in the worst sort of way. And then he he got caught. And with him, a lot of times with players, it's not just actual affairs. It was pornography and whatnot. And he told the story after he had been in recovery for years. And he does a podcast now even where he, he mm. talked about this. He was in the car several years into recovery. And one of his kids said, hey, dad, can I have your iPad? I want to look up something. Mm. And he said, here. And he just talked about how five years before mm. I would have been ashamed. Yeah, I would have been terrified. I would have had to come up with some lie to my kid about why they couldn't look. Because and now I can hand it over. I know there's nothing on there. Mm. They possibly get. Now, it was a lot of work for him to get there. Yep. He had to go to the meetings. You usually don't get out of something that he was in on your own. You have to find other guys. But yeah. that's what I would say to guys. Get in a church where guys are real, where you can find a place where you can really share. If you don't know where to start, start with the book of Romans, mm. right? Then read Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. Even if you're reading a chapter, take your time mm. and really just soak it in. And then I would say, look, one day a week, if you're commuting to work or if you're working out, Put on another sermon. I don't think one sermon a week is enough. Mm. Find some preachers you enjoy. I teach at Cherry Hills Community Church here in Colorado with the uh, the senior pastor at chcc.org. Check out those. If you connect here, great. If not, go somewhere else. There are plenty of people where you can find sermons. But just say, you know what? For my kids, for my wife, for me, maybe God will surprise me. And then I would say it's it's great to get into a group with your wife and go through books together. I think every couple should probably read through a marriage book every year. Mm. It's really fun to do it with other couples because then then your wife here hears, oh, it's not just him. <laughs> All guys kind of think this way. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought he was weird. No, he's just a guy. Yeah. And you find out, oh, my wife's a woman. <laughs> this yep. is what they, and so it removes it from just you and your wife to, okay, this is what marriage is like. Just be more intentional. Um, and the gift that will mean for your wives, Lisa and I, I, I wrote a book for wives. It's called loving them well. And a a group of women said, would you come and talk? And my wife was with me and they said, Gary, why is it? We read 10 books like this for every book. Our husbands read, Hmm. we're trying to improve our marriage. We're reading the books because I gave a marriage book to my husband and the bookmark hasn't even moved, which means guys, if your wife gives you a marriage book, move the stupid bookmark. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, she is looking, but what if you were to bring a book home and say, Hey honey, look, I know I haven't been putting, I haven't given you what you deserve. You want to be cherished. Here's a book called cherish. We're going to learn how to cherish each other. I want to learn how to cherish you. We'll read it together. I'm going to ask you, what does it mean for you to be cherished? I don't think these guys have a clue what would go on in their wives' minds. If she said that, or here's this book, making your marriage before. I'm just wondering, as we get older, we're, we're having this issue. Storms might hit. I want us to be prepared. So when the storm hits, you feel secure in my love and I'm able to be there for you. I mean, I don't know that there's a gift of jewelry that could compare yeah. to a husband saying, I want to give more to you. I want to be there. I want to be the husband you want to be. You might be surprised at the tears, just that you're, you're investing in what she's been wanting you to invest in for a long time. Hey guys, if you're serious about taking Gary's advice and getting a book that you and your wife can go through, 
and you'd want to go through his book. He just put out a new book or it's coming out in October. It's called Making Your Marriage a Fortress, Strengthening Your Marriage to Withstand Life Storms. If you'd like to get that book, I'd like to give it to you for free. The way we would do that is you, if you become a monthly partner with us at Dad Tired, you believe in the ministry and you say you want to support it so you can hear more interviews like this, see more conferences, see more guys reached around the world for the gospel and equipped to lead their family well. Uh, if you believe in all that and you want to support us and partner with us on a monthly basis, we would love to send you Gary's new book for free as a way of just saying thank you for believing in the ministry and partnering with us. So if you go to dadtired.com forward slash give, and then in the comment section, this is important, in the comment section, put Marriage Fortress, and that will kind of trigger for us what book to send you. We will pre-order that book for you, get it all set up, and as soon as it's released, we'll send that out to you. Again, as a way of saying thank you for believing in the Dad Tired ministry and partnering with us. So again, go to dadtired.com forward slash give. In the comment section, put Marriage Fortress. We will send you Gary's book for free. You can take it to your wife and say, hey, babe, I want to go through this book with you so that we can build a strong marriage to withstand life storms. That being said, let's jump back into the interview with Gary. I always tell guys and with advice like that, like, be careful. You might have another baby. Like you got to be careful. That's got that kind of stuff. You come home with a marriage book and say, Hey, babe, I want to love you better and get to have a better marriage. Like just prepare yourself. You might be having number three, four or five coming out, but man, are there questions at the end of your book? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Are, are well, after they, each they chapter? Have, they, um, they don't have questions, but they have what I call takeaways, building okay. your fortress takeaways where it okay. summarizes it and whatnot. So, so that'd be good. So if a, if a couple does go through that, they can, they can go through those takeaways. Absolutely. Yeah. Man, this is so good. This is so good. I can't thank you enough. I know you're busy, but thank you for taking the time. This has been really, really helpful. I know we only scratched the surface, but we're going to make sure we get this book in all of our listeners' hands. But any final words you'd say? You know, if you got a bunch of young guys listening, we're stumbling our way to try to figure this stuff out. What would be your, your kind of last final charge to yeah. us guys? I think of, I don't know if there are any golf fans. I don't know if they remember Johnny Miller. They're probably too young. Mm-hmm. He's also been an announcer, so people might have remembered it. But he had his whole goal in life was to win a major. You talk about the first time he won a major. It might have been the Masters. I'm not sure. It might have been the U.S. Open. His whole life as a young man, practicing, getting there. And then on the 18th hole, he sunk the putt. And think, okay, what's going through his mind? And Johnny said, what was going through his mind is, this is it. Mm. I lived my life to get here. And wow. this is it. And I would just say, if it's so satisfying, look at the guys who win the Super Bowl and go off and get drunk or the night before the Super Bowl, they're found with a prostitute. If worldly success is that satisfying, why do the guys who succeed need to find something else? God created you for relationship for, with himself first versus mm-hmm. who is he who will devote himself to be close to me? Mm-hmm. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. When people wanted barley bread, which was bread for poor people. And Jesus said, no, you don't need bread. You need me. I'm the bread of life. And then he created for you relationship with your wife. If you're disconnected with your wife, the greatest success in the world will still feel empty and you'll still be frustrated. Mm. And yet I know there are billionaires who would trade places with a guy making 75000 a year in a mid-level management position if they could have the relationship with their wife that these guys might have with their wife. Everything in our ambition and our ego pulls us away from our kids and our wife I'm saying at the end of your life, you're going to want to go back and say, I wish I would have invested more in knowing my God, 
and loving my wife and getting to know my kids. Just take that as a word now, even if it doesn't feel that way. If you ignore your wife and your kids, you're going to find that it's an empty, hollow victory. If you invest in your wife and your, your relationship with your wife and your kids, you might still succeed, but it'll be a whole lot more fun and satisfying. There, you brought us closer to Jesus, man. You brought me closer to Jesus in this conversation. Thank you for taking the time to do it. Thank you. Hey guys, as always, hope that episode was helpful for you on your journey of falling more in love with Jesus and helping your family do the same. If you want to keep the conversation going, make sure you go to connect.dadtire.com. Again, that's connect.dadtire.com. We've got a whole community of guys who listen to this podcast, are encouraging each other. There's no social media. There are no ads, no distractions. Really cool group of guys who are encouraging each other to be the man God's calling us to be. Again, go to connect.dadtire.com. I love you guys. I'll see you next week.